We're on the Gemara in Yevamos Memches Amel Aleph 48A3 in the Archgol Gemara. The Gemara in the last recording started to discuss the concept of Ashes Yifas Toar, of the woman who is taken into captivity when she's at war, uh, a non Jewish woman, and the Jewish soldiers are at war. So then uh, it would happen that sometimes there would be women there near the war who would try to seduce the soldiers. And the Torah says that because it is so tempting and they are in a situation of such difficulty and away from regular, normal life in society and they're dealing with death, um, so a person, it's very easy for a person to succumb to their desires. And as a result of that, the Torah said that it would be permissible to uh, take this uh, the woman, even though she is not Jewish, and to have sexual relations with her. However, uh, the pro- they, it has to go through uh, a certain process. There's a very specific process that she has to go through. And as a result of that, the goal is ultimately to essentially tell the soldier, you know what, it's permissible. However, there is this process. And the goal is that over the course of this process, uh, he will essentially back out. And so our Gemara now will spend the next couple of lines discussing this part of this process uh, and some of the details within this process. So the Gemara starts off as follows. Tana Rabbanam. The Brisa says, what does she have to do? Vigilcha esrosha vasasas tziparnaha. She has to shave her head. We say, you know what, it's permissible. However, she has to shave her head. And vasasa es tziparnaha. Now it's unclear exactly what this is. What is, and make her nails. What exactly does it mean that she makes her nails? And so this is a dispute. Rabbi Lezer, Omer, Takot, Rebbe Lezer says that she should cut her nails, that she's allowed to cut her nails. And Rabbi Kiva, Omer Tegadel, Rabbi Kiva says, no, we have to let her nails grow, that they should specifically uh, grow out. Um, and we will see that perhaps these are different signs of mourning. We'll see that she also has to mourn uh, over something, over a period of time. We'll see exactly what that is in the Gemara, in the upcoming Gemara. But essentially, there's a dispute what to do with her nails. She has to either cut them or she has to let them grow. So the Gemara explains. Amra Belazar Belazar says, Nemra Asiya Barosh Venemra Asiya Batsipranai. It says the word Asiya by the head. It doesn't really say the word Asiya, but it says that she should shave her head. And so she's doing something to her head. What is she doing to her head? She is removing the hair from her head. So just like she's removing Havar, just like over there, it's removing her hair, Afkan Havar. So to over here, she has to cut her nails. Rabbi Kiva argues. Rabbi Kiva Omer, no. It says that she has to do something to her head, to her hair, and there's something that she has to do to her nails. Just like over there, with regards to her hair, the purpose of it is to make her look, to make her look unattractive. So, so, and so she has to remove her hair. So to over here, we want her... Uh, to have long nails so that she, again, here, uh, when she grows them very, very long, it will appear very unattractive. And so that is the goal. That is the position of Rabbi Kiva. So we have these two different positions. What happens to her nails? Either she has to cut them or she has to let them grow out uh, and to be to be very long nails. Uriah Ledivri Rabbi Lezer. The Gemara now says that there's a proof to Rabbi Lezer. There's a proof to the first position that says that she should cut it. What's the proof? So the proof is from Tanakh. The proof is from the, a story in Tanakh where Mephibosheth, uh, Mephibosheth 
really as uh, a way of supporting David HaMelech, King David, who was put into exile uh, when he was fighting against his son Avshalom. So Mephibosheth, he was basically in a state of mourning. He put himself into a state of mourning. Um, he did various things to express the state of mourning. And then he, when he returned back to David, when David came back to Yerushalayim, Mephibosheth greets David Hamel, greets King David in this state of really of mourning. What does it say? What's the language in the Pasuk, in the verse? Umephibosheth ben Shaul yared likres hamelech v'lo asaragle v'lo asasfama. It says Mephibosheth, the son of Shaul, he went down to greet David HaMelech, v'lo asaraglev. He did not asa. Again, it's the same word asa. He did not make his feet, v'lo asasfama. He did not make his mustache. What is this referring to here? It's clear, ma'asia, what is it? The same word asa is being used with regards to his feet and with regards to his mustache. It must be, it's referring to havara. It must be referring to removing he did not remove his mustache. He let his mustache grow. He did not shave uh, as a sign of mourning. And he also did not cut his nails as a sign of mourning for David, who was essentially exiled from being the king. And so we see from here that the word asa means uh, to to cut, that he did not cut his nails. But the word asa generally means to cut. And so, there's so therefore, so too in the context of the Isha Sefas Torah, of the beautiful woman who's taken into captivity, we say that V'asasa Estipernea means that she should specifically cut her nails. Now, just as a side topic, uh, with regards to Mephibosheth, it says that he did not um, cut his mustache and he did not cut his uh, nails because it says Velo Asa Raglov, he did not cut his nails. So the truth is, is that Tosfos has a very different understanding of what this Gemara is saying. And Tosfos, one of the classic commentators on the page of the Gemara, says Velo Asa Raglov really means that he did not shave uh, by the regal, by the feet, meaning he did not shave, as a sign of mourning, he did not shave his pubic hair. Um, now, this then, Tosfos then goes on to a big discussion uh, about what you are allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do in terms of a man, um, and what they're allowed to do in terms of beautifying their own body. What are they allowed to do to beautify their own body? The reason he's discussing this is because there's a prohibition of a man is not allowed to wear women's clothing. And included in this prohibition is not just that a man is not allowed to wear women's clothing, but also that a man is not supposed to specifically do actions which clearly are there for the purposes of beauty alone. It's there specifically to beautify the body. And so Tosis comes with a the following distinction, which is used in various cases, that there's a dis- difference between um, a situation where uh, it's really, it makes them, it's, it's painful. It's painful and it makes them look bad, and so therefore they're allowed to do something in order to make them look better. Um Versus a case, a situation where it's specifically there to beautify, everything's fine, everything's normal, there's no pain, but just to make it look a little better, um, so then in that case, that would be a problem, explains Tosos. And so this is actually used by the postkim with regards to elective surgery. Let's say there's elective surgery to improve something on the, uh, some sort, on the outside, to, uh, to look better on the outside. They distinguish between cases where um, it's really, it's, the person has uh, something in their body, the, some 
feature in their body which makes them look bad, and so therefore the person is in pain, so then that would be allowed, it would be, it would be permissible, versus a scenario where it's really everything's fine, it's just that they want to do a little bit more, uh, so then that would be a problem of lo ish beged isha, that a man should not wear women's clothing, and beyond that, that they shouldn't actively do th- things which will are, are there for the sole purpose of beautifying the body. So that's a really a side topic. The Gemara now continues. The Gemara continues with discussing the Aisha Sifas Torah and, and the process of the Aisha Sifas Torah, this woman who's taken into captivity. What else does she do? Tana Rabbanan, it's taught in the Brisa, she has to cry. She's in mourning. We mentioned that she's in mourning. She has to cry over her father and mother. What does it mean to cry over her father and mother? Rabbi Lezra Omer, moving on to Memchasim Beis 48b, Rabbi Lezra says, Avia, avia mamish, ima, ima mamish. That means that she's actually crying over her actual father and her actual mother. She's essentially leaving them now. She's leaving them now and, jo- and joining uh, with, an, the, with a Jewish family. Uh, and so she's, she's mourning over her father and mother. Rabbi Kiva Omer, Rabbi Kiva says, no. Avia, avima zu avodus Avia, what does it mean that she cries over her father and mother? It's referring to the pagan deities. Uh, it's not referring to her parents. It's referring to uh, the idol worship that she's had in the past, Omer, and similarly it says, Omer avi ata, that it says in another context that father is referring to idol worship. And so we have this dispute between Rebbe and Rabbi Kiva. Is she mourning over her actual parents? Is she mourning over uh, idol worship? That she's leaving her idol worship aside, and so she's in mourning over that. Uh, perhaps the difference between these two approaches is what happens if her parents, uh, unfortunately, passed away many years before. So if her parents passed away many years before, so then there's no reason for her to mourn over her parents. She, her parents were, haven't been alive for a long time. However, if the idea is that she's mourning over idol worship, so then that still does apply. Now, how long is she crying for? How long is, do we have this process of her crying and being in mourning? So the Gemara continues, Yerech Yamim. The verse says, for a month of days. What does that mean? So one opinion says, Yerech Shloshim Yom. It means a month, 30 days, i.e. she cries for 30 days. Shimon ben Lazar, Omer, Shimon Lazar says, no, Tishim Yom, it is for 90 days. Uh, she cries for 90 days. How do we know that? Because Yarach Shloshim, a month is 30 days. Yamim Shloshim, when we have the word Yamim, days, it means another 30 days. Vacharkin uh, Shloshim, and then Vacharkin, afterwards, the verse says Vacharkin, it's another 30 days. So 30 plus 30 plus 30 is really 90 days. She really has to cry for 90 days. This is all part of the process of her mourning. She has to be in a state of mourning for 90 days. The Gemara then says, wait a minute, Matzikla Ravina, Ravina says, if that's how we're calculating things, maybe we should say, Yerech, a month is 30 days, Yamim Shloshim, Yamim days is double that, another 30 days, which is 60, and then we say, Vacharekin, and thereafter, we have to continue to double, double that, it's not, it's 30, times 2 is 60, times 2 should be 120, that maybe she has to cry, and be in a state of mourning for 120 days, so we have basically, Three opinions. One opinion says for a month. The other opinion says for 60 days. And the question is now, what, maybe it should really be 120 days. And the Gemara concludes saying, Kasha, you know, it really, it is a question. Why don't we learn it like that? Uh, that it should really be 120 days. It seems that we're not, but maybe it should be for 120 days. So at the end of the day, we have these different discussions about an Asia Sifas Torah, about this woman who's taken into captivity. Um, does she have to cut her nails? Does she have to let her nails grow? Uh, who is she mourning for? Is she mourning for her father and mother? Is she mourning for idol worship that she's had in the past that she's leaving behind and for how long how long is this mourning process is it for 30 days is it for 60 days uh, sorry for 30 days or for 90 days or for 120 days 
Um, and so that's what the Gemara discusses, and we will continue back uh, in the next recording to discuss the non-Jewish uh, slave and different uh, topics within the non-Jewish slave.